This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. For the next four Sundays, we will be studying the subject of kingdom leadership. This morning, I'm going to kick off this series by talking about some characteristics of a kingdom leader. Next week, Brother Duane is going to be discussing the roles of women in the leadership of the, of the church. And then Brother Derek is going to be speaking about the roles of elders and deacons. And then Brother Brian is going to uh, finish our series and talk about the exciting roles of an evangelist. And so we have four great Sundays of excellent topics to talk about. Kingdom leadership is a very important topic. Some of the reasons that we want to discuss this is because we as a congregation from time to time need to be refreshed on the topic of leadership. We need to be reminded because as we discussed, the leadership has such an important role to play. They have oversight, you see, of a congregation. They are to make sure that, that the men that stand in this pulpit speak nothing but the oracles of God. They are to keep uh, wolves and sheep's clothing away from the fold. They are to see to basically every need of the congregation. And so without leaders, a church cannot grow and it cannot flourish. Another reason that we wanted to spend the next four Sundays talking about, the, about kingdom leadership is that we have a congregation full of young men and young women that will someday take over the church. We have a room full of future leaders, and so we want to educate you. And we want you to be inspired so that someday that you will be the elders and the deacons of the church, that you will be the wives of elders and deacons and evangelists, that you will rule the young women and teach them how to love their husbands and how to rule their houses well. We want you to start preparing now and make good decisions now so that someday you can be an effective and, and, and a good leader, kingdom leader. And lastly, the Lord has painted a beautiful picture on what He wants the church to look at, look like. He has set forth a pattern that we are to follow. Now reminded of how he went and he uh, examined the seven churches of Asia. And if you'll remember, so many of those churches, they came up lacking. There were things that needed uh, to take place, changes that needed to be made. And so we as, as, a, as a congregation, we want to make sure that we compare to the pattern that has set forth in the, in the Lord's church. So this morning, we will begin to look at five different characteristics. And these, this is not a complete picture of what a leader looks like, 
because it would take it would take hours and hours to be able to discuss all the characteristics of a leader. So what I've tried to do this morning is I've tried to choose five characteristics, attributes, if you will, that maybe wouldn't be covered by the other men. Now, one of the first things that that God looks for in a leader is a good heart. You know, in the Scriptures, you can find men and women that came from from prominent families. They were very educated and well-experienced. But then you'll see how the Lord chose people that were sinners, that they were very uneducated. They were just lowly fishermen. But what we see across the board is that they all had good hearts. So the very most important thing It's not one of the characteristics that we're going to be looking at, but God looks at the heart. Another thing that I want us to remember as we are discussing these characteristics is that that, that we've heard the expression before that leaders are not born, they are made. And I truly believe that. All the things that we are going to be studying this morning are all things that can be learned and taught. Think about the disciples that Jesus chose. These men spent three years by His side. And He trained them, educated them, and showed them a pattern that that He wanted them to follow. Think about even Paul who came later on. How many years did he spend by himself in the Spirit of God and in training? Three years. So these things can be taught. We're not born with these. And another thing I want us to remember, and I appreciate Brother Kalen's song. What did Jesus tell us all to do? Every person in this room, what did He tell us to do? He said, I want you to be a city that is set on a hilltop, a light to the world, right? What is light and darkness? It is a guide, isn't it? We are all supposed to be guides to the world. So I want us... I say this because we are all leaders. If you are a Christian this morning, you are a leader. You are a kingdom leader. All right, let's begin. The first attribute that we want to look at this morning is the attribute of a positive attitude. Mindset is what separates the best from the rest. I love that quote. Our mindset is what separates the best from the rest. One of the earliest stories in the Scriptures was when the children of Israel, they got to the promised land. Basically, this is the children of of Israel's inheritance. It is their land. It is like if your parents gave you your inheritance, which was a block of land, it's yours. It's yours. This land that floweth with milk and honey, the land of Canaan, was the children of Israel's inheritance. It was theirs. But you see, there were evil nations that were residing in this land. And so God commands Moses to gather the twelve tribes of Israel, Each one of these tribes had hundreds of thousands of people. 
And out of these hundreds of thousands of people, there was one man that stood as their ruler, the leader. And so God wanted these 12 men to go and spy out the land of Canaan. And so after these 12 men do so, they come back. And we know the scriptures that 10 of these spies had an evil report, a negative report. Remember what they said? Oh, this is a good land. It truly is everything that we thought it would be. In fact, it's even better. But unfortunately, the cities are walled. Great walls. Walls that are unpenetrable. There are great armies in these nations. Armies that are bigger than ours. There are giants that reside in this land. And we're just simply not prepared to go up against them. In fact, it would probably be best if we just gather a new leader besides that of Moses and just go back to Egypt and live under the direction of Pharaoh. That's what they said. But two of them said something different. They said, let's go up at once and let's possess this land. It is ours. And there are evil people living in it. Let's go and take it today. With God's help, we can take it. So two were positive, ten were negative. So long story short, as we always say, God says this. The ten negative leaders, these, again, these were prominent men, men of, of, of respect, men of authority. He said, these ten leaders that are negative, you and all your little followers can just wander around in circles for the, for the rest of your life, and you can die. I don't want you. But you two positive leaders, I want you to take the negative people's children and I want you to begin to train them and prepare an army to take the land that I have promised you. And so what we learn from this is that God can only use positive kingdom leaders. Kingdom leaders are positive. They are not negative. Another thing that we learn from this is that leaders can be negative and they can influence people in a negative fashion when amy and i first got married it was on our heart to go and help a small little congregation of about 15 people and we were very zealous in our endeavors and we went out and we knocked every door in the community we uh, put together gospel meetings uh, we tried to encourage the members there. Uh, we went and, and, and involved ourselves in the community and volunteered. Uh, went to the hospitals, the jailhouses, whatever we could do to try to help this small dying congregation. And we had results. The Lord says, you do the work, you'll have results. But unfortunately, what we saw was that these people that began to attend this little congregation would not stay very long. You know why? Because you see, we painted a picture of Acts. Acts is a pretty exciting book, isn't it? Exciting history of the early church. And what they saw in Acts and what they saw at this congregation was very different. You see, unfortunately, the leader of this congregation, although he had tons of wonderful attributes, 
He was giving. He was loving. He was, he was dependable. But unfortunately, he was one of the most negative men that you've ever met in your life. And he infected the whole congregation. And so when people came, they would not stay long because they're like, I, I'm not seeing that this is how the church should function. And so we soon learned that our efforts would never be productive with a negative leader. So how do we be that kingdom leader that is positive that God can use? The key are these words. Romans 12 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've heard it all of our life, but you see, this is the key to be a positive kingdom leader. Is this a once and done thing? Do we just renew our minds one time and we're good for life? I wish. But unfortunately, a kingdom leader knows that every morning that he has to have a reset. He has to pump the Word of God into his heart and into his mind. He has to rejoice in the thanksgivings and, and count the blessings that he has been given. Those have got to be on the forefront of his mind. And he has got to be guarded by the things of the world, because the world is negative. Everything that the world produces is negative. And if we let that come into our minds, it will get into our hearts, and it will be dangerous to our eternal soul. So we have to guard our hearts from the things of the world and be not conformed to them. But if we will do this every morning, sometimes we have to do it at noon. We have, sometimes we have to do it before we walk into the house in the afternoons. But this is key if we want to be positive. If we want to be world changers. To close out this point, I'm going to read this quote. Keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts, they become your words. Keep your words positive because your words become your behavior. Keep your behavior positive because your behavior because, becomes your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. And keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. You study Jesus Christ and all you will see is positive. You begin to know the character of God and all you will ever see is positive. <laughs> we must be like our Creator and like our Lord Jesus. The second point, characteristic is a leader, a kingdom leader cares for people. You know, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. And in his letter to Corinth, he was trying to make a point. 
And the point that he, he starts out by making is, is he talks about some of the persecution that he had to endure. Some of the persecution that he had to endure was, was scourging. He says 195 times was I scourged. As you see, that's a, that's a, that's a piece, uh, circular piece of wood, a rod, about, that, about yay long. And attached to that rod is about a three-foot piece of rope or chain. And at the end of that rope and chain are cutting devices, usually bone or little chunks of metal. And so it's, it's, its design is that when it hits the back, your back, it cuts. And then, so at that point, they pull downwards. It's a trained man, and so that just rips across, and it cut. it's a cutting device. So 195 times, Paul had that done to his back. And so you can imagine... Scar tissue is painful. I'm sure that his back caused him severe amount of pain. Three times he was shipwrecked. Shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. Shark-infested waters. He's hanging on to nothing but debris night and day. That's what he endured for the Lord. There was one time that men, they just didn't like what he preached. They didn't like the words that came out of his mouth, even though they were from God. And so they thought it would be uh, appropriate to gather some stones. Not just a couple of pebbles, but we're talking about stones that are meant to break someone's skull open. They are meant to not bruise, but to kill. That's their, that's their point. And so men gathered around him and began to throw rocks. Some of them hit his stomach. Some of them hit his chest. Some of them hit his face. The back of his head. I don't know what that would feel like, but I've been hit with small stones, and it's terrible. But they kept throwing at him until they thought he was dead, and so they just tossed him off of a bluff. Let the birds finish up. And the predators. He was beaten three times with rods. He was thrown in prisons. He was sick often. Think about the places that he had to live and go to, diseases. But he said, none of that even compares to this one thing. And that's the thing that he mentions in 1 Corinthians 11 and 28. He says, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. My number one burden is not the scar tissue on my back, not that I've got, that I'm missing a lot of teeth from being stoned, but it's, because, it's the care of the churches. That's what keeps me up at night, is knowing and wondering if my brothers and sisters in Christ are okay physically, if they're okay spiritually. He said, I, just, I can't sleep at night sometimes because I just want to be everywhere at the same time, making sure that the, that the children of God are okay. As a song that we sang sings that there's, there's lost in the world and I just want to have time to go and make sure that they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He cared for people. And, and, and a kingdom leader cares for people. I love his words to the church at Philippi. What does it look like to care for people? Philippians 2, 19 and 22 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus unto you, that I may be of good comfort 
when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Listen to these words. For all seek their own. And not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know the proof of him. That as a son with the father he has served with me in the gospel. Paul was trying to comfort the church at Philippi. By saying, hey, I'm sending one of my best to see to your needs. As I care for you, he cares. And this, was, this was Timotheus, Timothy, the evangelist. But he makes some very strong points here that I want us to consider. Again, we were all supposed to be kingdom leaders. Every person in this room. We were all supposed to have the same care as Paul and Timothy had for your brothers and sisters in Christ. But how come we don't? For all seek their own. You see, I think, sadly enough, there's a lot of Christians that they are completely oblivious to the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know why? It is because they are so consumed with themselves and their lives. They are so consumed about their jobs, about their agendas, about their home life, about their children, about their family, that they don't have time for their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so their eyes, you see, and their ears are closed to the needs of others. Then there are some that just don't care. For all seek their own. I hope that we can be men like Paul and men and women like Tim. Or, let me back that up a little bit. <laughs> I hope that we can follow the example of Paul and Timothy. Because they cared for people. They cared for the needs. I think about the needs that are in a congregation. There are times when, 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 when parents are struggling with their children. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to help their children. They're at loss. There are times when, when the church, when brothers and sisters are Christ, well, that they will have marital problems. They will need someone to step up and to help. Because they don't know what to do. There'll be times when folks are struggling financially. There'll be times when, 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 when folks are just sick. They don't need rides to church. They will need to be visited often and encouraged because there's nothing more discouraging than sickness. So I just pray that as we take care of ourselves and take care of our family, that our eyes will go past that to our neighbors, and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because there are a million and one needs in every congregation. One man, not two men, not three men can do it. It takes the whole body, fitly joined together, to take care of all the needs of a congregation.
The third characteristic that we want to talk about is initiative. Initiative is just simply to see a need and without being asked to take care of it. That's what initiative is. I like this little, you know, this little picture. A picture is worth a thousand words. This little guy in the red suit, he's stepping out while everybody else it just stands there. He's filling in the gap. Initiative can be taught. Can be taught. Can be learned. I'm reminded of a conversation that my father had with me and my two older brothers. And I'm sure that many of you have received this same conversation. But my father was very upset. He was frustrated. But he did it with all calmness, which I really appreciate. He sat me and my two brothers down one day. And he had a little heart-to-heart. He said, every week in the summertime, our yard needs mowed. Every week, I have to ask you to mow the lawn. He said, what if I didn't have to ask you? What if you just took it upon yourself to go and to fill that need? And what if you didn't stop there? Every Wednesday morning, I had to ask you to take the trash down to the end of the road because the garbage man's coming that morning. What if you just took care of that? Or I didn't even have to think about it. And let's not stop there. What if, you know, all the clothes that you walk over for days and days, what if you picked those up and took those to the laundry room where your mother didn't have to ask you to do so? And every evening after supper, you took the dishes off the table and took care of them so that your mom didn't have to ask. Clean your room. And he just kept on going and kept on going, and I, my heart just broke because I was a teenager. I was probably 13, 14 years of age. I was not a toddler anymore, but my dad was treating me like a toddler by having to ask me every week to do something that I knew to do. I was just willing to sit there on the couch and just wait for him to come and ask me to do something. But I promise you, he never had to ask me ever again. And I'm not doing, saying that to brag, but my heart was, I mean, it was pricked at that point. I was like, he should not have to ask me to do this. I'm not a toddler. So from then on, I took care of it. Initiative can be taught. And I'm sure that many of us parents have had these same conversations with our children. The same applies to the church. As we just said, there are a million and one things to do. All of us, you see, see those things that need to be done. Either we're getting up and we're doing something about it, or maybe we're just waiting for someone to tell us to do something. Who are we? I'm reminded of David talking about a man with initiative. You remember when he came up to two armies that were face to face and Goliath had been calling for a champion to come and to fight him and the victor would rule over the other nation. And he comes to this scene 
to bring his brother some supplies. He's just a mere shepherd boy. But all these soldiers are standing there, just like these men in the gray. They're just standing there, waiting for someone with enough courage and initiative to stand forward. He gets to the scene and he's just shocked. He's like, first of all, you're letting this Goliath blaspheme the God, our Creator. And secondly, for 40 days, twice a day, he's asking for someone to challenge him. And you men that have been soldiers from your youth up, you're just sitting there. God has told us that He will be with us every step of the way that we can do all things through Him. He said, I'm not a soldier, I'm not a warrior, but I know how to use a slingshot. And with God by my side, I will prevail. And I promise you, this man that speaks before you today that blasphemes God's name will no longer do it because I'm going to chop off his head. And I'm going to put it on a spear and put it on the, the hill of Golgotha. And this wicked, evil nation that stands before us, they're going to be running like cowards before I'm done with them today. He had the initiative. He didn't stop there. He became one of the mightiest warriors of all times. He led an army of men like the world had never seen. He had the initiative to gather materials, cut down trees and forests and mill this lumber, gather all kinds of precious jewels and, and metals together so that one day his son Solomon would be able to build the most extraordinary temple that the world has ever seen. David was a man of initiative. So are we going to be a people that sit there in a pew waiting for someone to, to, to ask us to do something when we're seeing needs all around us, or are we going to do them? You know, leaders can't be in every place. It takes all of us working together. We're all kingdom leaders, every single one of us. And when we're all doing our part, we're just a well-old machine. And that's what glorifies God. When just a couple of people are stuck with doing all the work, they can't do it. They can't do it, and the church becomes handicapped. Let's be kingdom leaders that take initiative. When we see needs, let's be the first one to step out there and take care of that need. I love James 2 and 8. It says, I will show, show thee my faith by my works. Let's not be talkers. Let's be doers. The fourth point that we want to make comes out of 1 Corinthians 4 and 2. It says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And this word faithful means to be reliable, to be dependable. This is an important characteristic in a leader. Imagine there's this important responsibility that needs to be accomplished. And you ask this man or woman to take care of this, and they drop the ball. They don't commit. They commit, but they don't fulfill. What if you asked Brian to come up here and to speak next Sunday, and he didn't open the Bible? He didn't do the work that was needed to prepare. We need dependable 
leaders. We must be dependable. That means that if we commit to something, that by all means we do it. Now sometimes we as as we get zealous and we just want to do everything. We get excited. And so sometimes we 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 take on more than what we can handle. So we need to be very cautious that we don't take on more than we can handle. Because when we commit to something, we need to go to the, to the ends of the earth and back to make sure that we fulfill that commitment. Sometimes tasks are time sensitive. So we want to be on time. We need to redeem the time. If we're going to say we're going to be at a certain place at a certain time, we be early. We respect that other person's time. And let's show forth the example of being disciplined. Let's be faithful in the little things. Think about all you young men and women that are present here. We're giving you tasks to do. It may be cleaning up the communion trays. It may be cleaning the building. It may be mowing the lawn. But I promise you, it may be giving lessons. I promise you, your reputation is being noticed. You're being examined by God and by the older ones. Are you ready to be faithful in a little thing so that you can be faithful in much? I love this quote mentioned. uh, It says Mother Teresa. She says, be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. No one, is be, no one is given a huge task to perform. No, they're given small tasks. We, our children, they, small, they start off with small tasks and we add and add to that. The same in our Christian walk. Lastly, a Christian leader is a good delegator. You know, I'm reminded in Exodus chapter 18, verse 17 and 18, Verses that we're very familiar with. Moses' father-in-law comes to the scene and Moses is leading the whole tribe of Israel. And Moses' father-in-law is not impressed when he comes to the scene. He says these words. He says, And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, being Moses, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Moses was trying to do too much. He was making himself sick. And in the process, he was not doing the children of Israel uh, due diligence and doing, a, doing them justice as trying to do too much. Again, We've said this over and over again. There's so many needs in the kingdom of God. And, and, and so many times, kingdom leaders try to do too much. We must be good delegators. You know, reasons why some leaders fail in delegation, sometimes it's just because of their pride. They think to themselves, no one can do it as good as me. No one has the experience or has the knowledge 
to do the job that needs to be done, so I'll just keep on doing it. But you see, that kind of mindset will handicap the church. It is not healthy. Some, another reason why <clears throat> many leaders don't delegate is because of lack of planning. Think about your children. How many times have you done a task because it's just easier and faster if you do it than try to teach them and explain to them how to do something? We do it all the time. I do. It's just easier for me to do it. But is that doing our children any good? Absolutely not. The same applies to the church. All these children are going to feel our us older ones shoes one of these days. They deserve the time that it takes to teach them and to educate them on the responsibilities of the church. Will they mess up? Yes. Is that time, does that take a lot of time and planning? Yes. But I thank God for the, for the women of this congregation that teach the younger women. I praise God for the older men that teach the younger men. We have a congregation that has a heart to teach and to pass on the knowledge that we have. And I praise God for that. Because by doing so, we are preparing them to be future leaders. And that is the whole point. Paul told Timothy, he says, you teach men to teach that they can keep on passing that down from generation to generation and from person to person. Give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. Teach a man how to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. That is the mindset that God wants us to have. Another reason why some leaders fail to delegate is because, like we've all have, they've been burned. Have you ever given someone a task and they come up short? Either they were late or, or maybe they just didn't do it to the best of their ability. They took some shortcuts and we're like, oh, it's just better if I just do it myself. Sometimes we get discouraged because we've been burned. But let's remember who we are. We have burned a lot of roads, a lot of opportunities in our own life, haven't we? I think about Peter. He was given the keys of the kingdom. He was to lay down the groundwork and the foundation that the church would be constructed upon. But it was soon after that he was given the keys of the kingdom that he denied the Lord Jesus. What did Jesus say? You're finished. No. He did great and wonderful things. I think about Barnabas and John Mark. John Mark messed up big. Barnabas and John Mark worked together. John Mark dropped the ball. But what did Barnabas do? Gave him another chance. You see, Jesus gives us new mercies each and every day. Let us be patient. Let us be long-suffering, knowing that, that this is a work that deserves our time and our attention. So in conclusion this morning, let's remember that kingdom leaders must have a positive attitude. Let's remember that God has no time, nor can He use negative leaders. So let's remember to be positive. Let's remember to have the care 
for the, the hearts and souls of our brothers and sisters that surround us. Let's remember that there's so many needs. Let's go to work. Let's care for them. Let's remember to have initiative. There's needs around us. Don't wait till someone asks you. Go and have the initiative and do the things that are needed in the, in the body of Jesus Christ. Let's remember that we are to be faithful, that we are to be dependable. If we commit to a task, by all means, let's fulfill it to the best of our ability in a timely manner. And let's remember the power of delegation. We can't do it on our own. Husbands and wives can't do it on their own. We depend on our children to, to help fulfill all the needs of a home, don't we? The same with the church. We all got to do our part. And so if you're delegated to, step up and fill that need. Let's remember that not to be prideful. Let's remember the need for others to feel a part of the body. And sometimes all we have to do is just ask them to do something, and all of a sudden they feel like they're a part. Participation is key, making people feel welcomed and, and needed. And uh, let's remember that although people do burn bridges from time to time, let's give them second chances because someone has given us a second chance. So I thank you so much for your kind attention this morning. We have an invitation song that has been selected, Kneel at the Cross. I know this is a hymn that's probably several of our favorites. There may be some here that need the prayers of the church. You know, it's really easy with all the ways that Satan attacks us as Christians to be conformed to the world. And sometimes we can adopt that negative attitude and then that snowballs in our life to where we just kind of give up on being the Christian that we need to be. And this is a, a time that, that you can request the prayers of the church and we can kneel at that cross and ask for the forgiving blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And kneeling at the cross, too, can mean that you're giving your lives to Jesus Christ by obeying the gospel. There are some this morning that have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you this morning, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, and that He came to this earth to die on the cross, be buried in a tomb and to resurrect so that we too can follow that same pattern and give our lives to Jesus, repent of our sins, and be baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ to where we can resurrect with Jesus in newness of life. For if we've been planted to Him in a burial, we can be resurrected in newness. No sin. And we can walk in forgiveness. We can walk in new mercies each and every day of our life. And we can have a support system, the brothers and sisters around you this morning, that will help you when you fall. That's what we're here for. None of us are any better than anyone else. We are all sinners. That's why we're here this morning. And we all need each other. If you think you don't need your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are wrong. We have this support system. That is why God created a body. That's why He told us to come on the first day of the week and to live your lives together so that we can help one another. So if you need to obey the gospel this morning, we are here for you. If you need the prayers of the church, we are here for you. We're in this together. We're going to be together, Lord willing, in eternity.
Let's do it. All right, let's stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.